You're listening to Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Last week we were having begun in the Spirit is, is where we were, were talking in our chapter in the book and, and uh, that focus of, of how the Holy Spirit starts new and fresh works and, and how God does things. That's how Calvary Chapel started. And we know that each of the disciples that Jesus had had quirks and, and issues and idiosyncrasies, and, but, but they didn't have any PhDs. They didn't have any specialized classes on, on how to do this ministry thing. They simply observed Jesus, and they absorbed his word. And they were obedient then in, in proclaiming the word they they brought the gospel message these ordinary men and women of god throughout the bible have been used to do amazing things it was a reminder last week that god doesn't always call the qualified but he qualifies us when he calls us so our call to action well the, the thought of struggling with distractions or, or being stuck in a rut or constantly trying to disqualify yourself. The call to action was that we need to shift gears. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to either start a new work in us through His Holy Spirit, or continue doing what He's been doing in your life. And in that, we want to make sure that it's obvious that we have spent time with Jesus. Amen? Taught up under lights. Today we're going to continue in our study in the distinctives, and we're going to chat about the difference between spiritual fruit and spiritual gifts, and then the supremacy of love. And this is the fact that we can have fruit and, and gifts of the Spirit. We can even operate with them at, at some level. But if we don't have love, love has to be the center of it all. If we don't have love then it's useless as a youth pastor we played some pretty fun games and little did we know at times there were some dangerous games that we played as well who knew that red rover red rover would cause concussions and require stitches or teaching kids how to play wanted dead or alive as we taught them how to be hitmen with nerf guns or playing winkum teaching them how to flirt with each other across the room. But Fruit Basket Upset, well, there was a popular game. You had all the kids and leaders into one big circle into chairs, and you have one person standing in the middle, and, and you start, you whisper uh, the name of a fruit in each person's ear, you know, apple, orange, banana, strawberry, etc. Then you call out the fruit of your choice, and the person that's in the middle has to get to an empty chair, and everybody has to scramble things around, and every once in a while you say, fruit basket upset, and everybody is up, and there's chaos, and people are colliding, and it's, 
It's fun to watch from the outside. But I had one leader, one of our guys, he's our age. He's in there playing, he's ready to go. And we also had a high schooler who's a hockey player. And they went for the same chair. And Joe grabbed that chair with Roman attached to it. Roman went flying, landed on his shoulder to the crack of his collarbone. Off to the ER he went. It's the same picture we get. If, if, if the fruit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are abused, if we're, we're trying to manipulate those things and use them for our benefit and for our gain, if they're not used with a genuine heart, if, if they're not used with love, then there's chaos and someone gets hurt. 1 Corinthians 13.1 says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So no matter how visible and effective our gift or our ministry may be, if we don't have love for our fellow Christians, our fellow brothers and sisters, if we don't have love for our fellow man, well, we're nothing. And we gain nothing. Because the reality is that those spiritual fruits and those spiritual gifts are for the benefit of others. Continuing in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 2 and 3, if I have the gift of prophecy and I know all mysteries and knowledge, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, profits me nothing. The gift, the fruit, it doesn't matter if love is missing. In John 13, 35, Jesus said, by this all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another, if you love each other. So first we're going to look at fruit of the Spirit this morning. Galatians 5.1 tells us to walk by the Spirit. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm. Do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Sometimes we miss the obvious, don't we? The, the, the people of Galatia did. So Paul addresses them in the book of Galatians. For freedom, Christ set us free. Why did Christ set us free? Simple so we can indeed be free. Spiritual freedom is a deliverance from, from the power and bondage of sin. It's so we can serve the, the living God, the author and creator of everything that we know. And then we can also serve the rest of his creation, his people. That freedom is from legalism. Uh, and the freedom form from uh, the, the control of the flesh so we can experience that substitutionary resurrected life of Christ. It's living a life that says thank you and a, a want to life that brings and builds a relationship with God rather than a, well, I have to do this. I've got to perform this way. That, that's the way the law works. The Judaizers, as we've talked about, that focused on the law and the works, they had a legalistic mentality. They were trying to be justified or trying to be sanctified because of their actions and, and their works, their obedience to the law. And if they were doing this, well, it was actually the opposite of freedom. 
the freedom that Christ brings. They were slaves to the law. and We cannot justify ourselves by our works. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so no man may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so we would walk in them. Freedom allows and enables us as believers to obey not to gain acceptance, but because of the acceptance we already know we have through Christ, we, we have that through Christ and through his grace. We're to seek to please God and gain approval for our obedience because of our acceptance from him. We can't earn it. Grace, grace is accessed by faith. It, it, it motivates us and it empowers us to do all that God wants us to do. As we move further down in Galatians 5, we, we see a list of things that are contrary to the Holy Spirit working in and through us. So when the flesh is what controls your actions, reactions, and, and how you do things in life, then you know trouble's coming. And discipline will be exacted by our God who is just. I mean, if you think about that, as I get to ready to read this list, Think about how you act and react, and we always laugh about somebody cutting you off on the way out of the parking lot here after church on a Sunday. How do you act and react when the pressure's on, when the tension's there? Do you act and react as a spirit-filled believer? Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, Sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and the things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. As we become a follower of Christ, those things should be decreasing. And I challenge you to do as much as I would say, do a word search and, and a word study on the fruit of the Spirit do, do a study on those words and see which of those things are maybe active in your life right now that you didn't think so. You read that list, you're like, oh no, none of those. Go a little deeper. What things are in your life that need to go? The reality is that if any hint of that is in your life, we've got to make it right with God. Psalms 139, 23 through 24, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any hurtful way in me and lead me in the way of the everlasting. It's saying, God, is there any bad stuff here that's got to go? Is there anything in me that's hurtful? Help me to see it. Help me to deal with it. Help me to, to make it right with you. Help me to understand my salvation. That's a hard prayer sometimes. I even, I told you guys that about the men's retreat. You know, that's a verse that I use all the time and I'm driving to the men's retreat that I didn't want to go to and God and I are having this conversation and he takes me to that scripture. Well, is there any unrighteousness in you? Well, no, there's no unrighteousness in me. Let's move on. And then I spent the next hour going through all the unrighteousness in me and laying it out before the Lord. 
I want to point us to the fruit of the Spirit. We need the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit needs to be evident in our lives. When we have a living and breathing relationship with Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into us and begins to transform us into the likeness of Christ. He, he teaches us how to be totally dependent upon God. And then that, that produces an overflow of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Well, we can try to replicate it in the flesh, but to no avail. Fake fruit. I remember at my grandma's house, she had a big bowl and it had some plastic or wax. I don't remember which one they were, but you don't want to take a bite of that fruit. It looks pretty. It's not going to be very pleasant. It's useless. As a Holy Spirit-filled and empowered believer, we're all to surrender our flesh daily. We're to rely on the Holy Spirit to bring forth fruit in our lives, coming through us. And in that fruit, it's not just to hang there and look pretty. That, that fruit is supposed to make an impact on those people that are around us, using us to draw others to the Father. So that's Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The first part of 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now in this version it says patience, but what's another word for that? Long-suffering. How many of you like to long-suffer? It's waiting and holding steady with eyes on God. You know, Galatians 5.22 is, is the scripture that I use for uh, our, our weddings, for our ceremonies of Morgan and Amber's wedding. It was Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. Because if that's at the core of our marriages, what happens? It gets stronger, doesn't it, when those pieces are in play. Our, our lives as Christians is a battle. It's a battle against the old man and the flesh, the person we were before Christ. The 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is now a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. We're all fallen creatures. We're, we're trapped in a body that desires to do sinful things. And as a Christian, though, we have the Holy Spirit producing His fruit in us. We have the Holy Spirit's power that available to help us conquer those acts of the sinful nature. And a Christian will never be completely victorious and always demonstrating the fruits of the Holy Spirit until we're in the heaven in front of the Father. That's one of the main purposes of the Christian life, though, is to progressively allow the Holy Spirit to produce more and more fruit in our lives, to allow the Holy Spirit to truly conquer those opposing sinful desires. We cannot do it on our own but the Holy Spirit will help us. So a question for you this morning is, is the fruit of the Spirit evident in your life? I mean, genuine fruit, not the wax stuff or a plastic apple, but is the genuine fruit of the Holy Spirit seen in your life? Are you loving? Are you joyful? Do you have peace even in the midst of chaos? Are you patient? Are you kind with others? gentle? Are you faithful? Do you exhibit self-control? Can those that are around you see a difference? 
I don't know if you notice or not, but there's a theme in our studies as we've been going through the distinctives. It's kind of been underlying, and it really, it's don't just act like a Christian, be a Christian. Don't fake it. Be genuine in your faith. And there's a difference between fruit of the Spirit and gifts of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit comes from naturally surrendering and, and serving God, and, and that fruit should indeed be visible. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for us to use as we do the will of God, as we point people to Jesus, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. How many of you have ever done a, a spiritual gift survey before? Ever do one of those? Right? There is no, to start with, well, let me back up. Was it accurate? <laughs> one of us. It was accurate, maybe, kind of, may have been close, but, th- but there really is no magical formula. There, there's no uh, biblical test laid out for us that, that will tell us exactly what our gifts are. The reality is that the Holy Spirit is the one that distributes at his discretion. He, he distributes those gifts to meet the need at the moment head on. He takes care of that through you, through the Holy Spirit-filled believer. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, as a youth pastor and and coming from the the charismatic and Pentecostal background, I was guilty of handing out the spiritual gift survey, abusively so probably, before every missions trip. Oh, you're going to go on a missions trip? All right, fill this out. We need to know where to plug in. Not very effective. It's part of training. It's something we can get caught up in as a Christian is, is we take a test, we see a strength, and then we use that as an excuse to only serve in this area. Nope, this is my gift. This is all I can do right here. We stop the flow of the Holy Spirit as he might direct you to do something else in a time of need. This is not how the spiritual gifts work. As you read God's word, you see that we're simply called to serve obediently as he calls us to do, ready to serve in all things at all times. Be ready in season and out of season. Just be ready for God will use you. Here's the thing. God will equip you with whatever gift or even gifts that you need so you can accomplish his will in any given situation. Yet another reason that we've got to be in God's word every day. We've got to be spending time in prayer. We've got to be seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit because God will use us as we walk out those doors. Let us be ready and prepared for the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. There's many times that I receive the servant applications from, from the website People are going to come in and serve. And one of the questions says, what gifts do you possess? And about 50% of the answers we get actually don't have any biblical connotation to them. What are the gifts of the Spirit and how am I using them in my life? What is your true spiritual gifting? As we identify that gifting, we need to know that we use it for God. We use it for his glory, not for our glory or to build up our flesh, but to glorify God. And when we look at spiritual gift tests and inventories, and I still think they can be used and they can be good, 
but not to rely on, because that's man's understanding of it. We've got to take everything to Scripture. We can't rely on tests alone. We weigh everything against Scripture. We follow up with confirmation, another reason it's good for us to be in fellowship with other believers. When we have other believers around us, they have a tendency to be able to see some of the gifts that are working in us that we don't recognize. Because we're our worst critic, aren't we? No, no, I don't operate in that gift. When actually you do. Everything we do has to be weighed against Scripture. And we pray. We ask God to reveal our giftings. He's the giver of the gifts. He sent the Holy Spirit to us to empower us. We simply have to ask him, Lord, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Would you bring those gifts to me? Would you reveal those things to me that I need to be doing for you? And then show us how we can use those gifts to glorify you and accomplish your will. Some people are indeed called to be teachers and have a gift of teaching. Some are servants and have the gift of helps. But the reality is that we cannot get fixated on that one gift, thinking that that is the only thing and that's the only way that God is going to use you. Because if we do that, we're going to naturally dismiss additional Holy Spirit-led opportunities to serve because it doesn't fit your box. It doesn't fit your mold. You have to go and simply say, Lord, I just want to serve you. And personally, as I was walking through this, and God's used me, I think, in almost every single spiritual gift that's listed at one time or another. If you and I will be dedicated and completely surrendered to and ready to be used by God, He will supply the gift that you need at the time you need it. So what are the different spiritual gifts the Bible mentions? There's two Greek words we look at before we go down the list of gifts. Pneumatica. It refers to the source, the Holy Spirit, the pneuma of God. And charismata refers to the fact that they are granted as an act of God's grace, God's charis. This means that the spiritual gifts are not given to those who are worthy or those who earn them. They're not given to those who have special abilities. They're given according to God's sovereign choice as He sees fit to accomplish His will in and through your life in any given situation. So the gifts are given by the Spirit of God and they're part of that new life granted to us in Christ and are or may be drastically different from our perceived capabilities or even our desires that we had before we were saved. When we become a new creature in Christ, that old man does truly fade away and God creates a new man, a new woman, and does new things in our lives. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, 4-7, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit Varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Each believer is going to have a different gift. They're going to use it differently. But it's all to be used for edifying the body of Christ. Remember the church. The church is not the building. 
It is us, the body of Christ. And it's always used to glorify God. And there's three main texts that we can look at that shows us God's design in regards to spiritual gifts. We'll start with Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service, in serving. Or he who teaches in his teaching. Or he who exhorts in his exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And then 1 Corinthians 12, 6-11, there are a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. Each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to the, another the effecting of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. And then last we see in 1 Peter 4, 10-11, each one has received a special gift. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do as one speaking the very utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as serving with the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. All of the gifts, as we have them, are in play today. All of the gifts of the Holy Spirit should be done decently and in order. God has a purpose and a plan in them. A lot of times, in outside circles, we've seen things get out of control and abused, and all for the glory of man and to make sure that they're bringing in enough revenue at the, at the ticket stands before they come into their church service. All of these things are to glorify God, not man. All of the, the, the gifts of the Spirit are to draw men and women to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Hi, this is Pastor Scott from Foothills Calvary. I hope the Lord is speaking to you through today's message. I wanted to just take a second and invite you to join us for worship services at Foothills Calvary. We meet Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. If you'd like more information on Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. Now let's get back to our study. I pray that the Lord will continue to speak to you by His Holy Spirit. Not for confusion, not for personal gain. We can see from these passages that there's a diversity of gifts. As Paul did the survey in Romans 12, he points out uh, different gifts than 1 Corinthians 12. And Peter spoke about spiritual gifts in 1 Peter 4. He didn't give specifics, but he gave categories and, and the types of gifts that God gives us. The Bible gives us a list 
Something like this, prophecy, ministry, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, teaching, exhortation, giving, ruling, showing mercy, speaking in languages, interpreting languages. Whatever the specific use, each gift fits together with the other gifts. They work together as parts of the body to make it functionally and whole. In Romans 12, 5, so we who are many are one body in Christ individually members one of another we work together as a holy spirit filled church individually holy spirit believer working together side by side hand in hand with other believers when we do that we do powerful things together if you were to do a survey of the gifts of the holy spirit you would want to look at them and study and you'd want to number them and and define each one and And I encourage you to do that. We're just going to do an overview of them. In Romans 12, there's seven gifts listed. In 1 Corinthians 12, there's nine gifts listed. And some of them overlap. And there's implications that there's more gifts available than what is listed. And we're not going to do that extensive definition of the gifts this morning. And so again, I just encourage you, and I did this even in our our anchor group notes, encouraging them to do the word study to dig in to study and go deeper to ask the questions okay god what is this and what does it mean and how does it impact my life and is this gift for me asking god to reveal it to you and as you do that study and you have questions and and you want to know things and and things are stirring in you come come ask let's have conversations about it Dr. Larry Gilbert, the writer of How Many Spiritual Gifts Are There, put together the following survey findings. Um, there's a lot of scripture in this. Um, I didn't, I'm not going to read them all out or we'll be here till tomorrow. Um, I'll give you the references if you want them. But the first category is miraculous gifts. There's apostleship, 1 Corinthians 12.28 and Ephesians 4.11. Tongues, 1 Corinthians 12.10. And then verse 28 and verse 30. Interpretation of tongues. 1 Corinthians 12, 10 and verse 30. Miracles. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10 and verse 28. Healing. 1 Corinthians 12, 9 and verse 28. Then there's the enabling gifts. There's faith. 1 Corinthians 12, 9. Discernment. 1 Corinthians 12, 10. Wisdom. 1 Corinthians 12, 8. Knowledge, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 as well. Then we have team gifts, evangelism, passionately leading others to the saving knowledge of Christ. Is there a gift of evangelist? Because we're all called to be evangelists. We're all called to share our faith. Ephesians 4, 11. Then there's the gift of prophecy, boldly and fearlessly proclaiming God's truth. Romans 12.6, Ephesians 4.11, and 1 Corinthians 12.10, and verse 28. Teaching, making clear the truth of God's word with simplicity and accuracy. Romans 12.7 and 1 Corinthians 12.28. Exhortation, motivating others to action, application, to purpose in what is being taught. Romans 12.8. <clears throat> excuse me, shepherding, 
overseeing, training, feeding, coaching, leading, Ephesians 4.11, serving, providing practical help, both physically and spiritually, Romans 12.8 and 1 Corinthians 12.28, mercy showing. How many of you like to show a little mercy? That's a great gift. Identify with and comfort those who are in need, Romans 12.8, giving, releasing material resources to further the work of the church. It's found in Romans 12.8. Administration, organization, administering and promoting and, and leading. Romans 12.8 and 1 Corinthians 12.28. And then when we read Peter, 1 Peter 4, 9 through 11, he gives us those two groupings. It's speaking gifts. Those who have speaking gifts are evangelists and prophets and teachers and exhorters and shepherds. Then the ministry gifts or the support gifts. People with these gifts, they emulate Christ and that He came not, not to be served, but He came to serve. And they've been blessed with self-forgetfulness as they focus on the needs of others. Ministering gifts, shepherds, those who show mercy, those who simply serve, givers, administrators. The Bible says that we're all given gifts for a purpose. You can see as we look through that list, you can see how all of those gifts will benefit us as the body of Christ. When we use them according to what the character of God is, well, He reveals to us the direction that we're to go. He reveals His nature and His character through each of those situations. So when we use the gifts, we're to do it with simplicity and with diligence and with cheerfulness. When we read God's Word, we see that we're told in 1 Corinthians 12, 24-25, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it, but God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. The idea is, and we talked about it last week as well, when I am weakest is when I am strongest, because we've surrendered ourselves completely. And we're humble before the Lord. In 1 Peter 4.11, the purpose of the gift, that in all things God would be praised through Christ Jesus. That's the purpose of the gifts. So it's imperative that we don't dismiss the gifts. They are just as much for today as ever. And I have a tendency, because I come from that kind of charismatic background and realm, I have a tendency to do kind of that knee-jerk reaction and go the opposite way. I've seen the damage that's happened over here. Well, I don't want to do that anymore, so we're going to stay over here. The reality is we need to come back to God's Word and stay focused on Scripture and what is the meaning behind it. All of these gifts are in play today. We just need to simply and humbly read and pray and study and wait expectantly for Him to use us and to use those gifts in and through us. He will indeed give you what you need when you need it. He'll be there. Rely on Him. Rely on the Holy Spirit. The two things as we shift into the supremacy of love in this, when the genuine fruit of the Holy Spirit should be evident in our lives, it should always point people to Jesus. And the genuine gifts of the Holy Spirit should be used by all of, the, uh, by all of us.
but again, to specifically point people to Jesus. However, if it's not done in love, then it is indeed worthless. So the supremacy of love. We already espouse two of the greatest commands of the Bible as, as kind of that foundational piece of our ministry here at the church, right? To love God and love your neighbor. You know, you see it when you walk through the door, love God, love each other. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And as I read earlier in John 13, 35, by this all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. As I was preparing this message this week, conversations yesterday at a men's breakfast and, and an email I got earlier in the week and a couple other conversations all pointed to the fact that you guys have a tendency to show love to people. As a church, as a body of Christ here at Foothills Calvary, you guys love the heck out of people as they walk in the door and as they go out. That's a testimony of your obedience and, and showing love to others. And I heard it echoed even yesterday morning at the men's um, Bible study and breakfast. It, it was God's love is being shown. So keep loving. Keep doing that. Without love, all of the gifts and the powers of the Holy Spirit are meaningless and are worthless. And we can all see how much abuse has been done by false teachers and those in charismatic and Pentecostal ministries and what damage has been done by people in their walk with the Lord and how maybe they didn't have enough faith and they weren't loved and they were judged and there was condemnation put on them. Maybe even many of you in this room have experienced that. Back to 1 Corinthians 13.1, if I speak of tongues of men and angels but I don't have love, I become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. It's kind of back to that picture of the fruit basket upset that I was talking about at the beginning of the service when all that fruit is just clashing into each other and it's all for a purpose and it's all for a selfish point of I need to get to where I'm supposed to be and I don't care who I run over to get there. It's got to be done in love. Paul's addressing the fact that many were putting the emphasis of speaking in tongues as the, the evidence of the Holy Spirit infilling a baptism or baptism of the Holy Spirit. If we attempt to use any of the gifts in the flesh without love, it's like hitting a symbol, a clash of mere noise. I can have all the doctrine and I can have all the theology right, but if I don't have love for God and I don't have love for people, then all that knowledge is meaningless. I can use the best apologetic defense. I can stop a cyclical argument by verbally throat-punching somebody. I've talked about that before. But if I do that and I haven't shown them love within that conversation, then what good is it? They're not going to hear any bit of the gospel that's been presented or talked about. Can we approach people in love? So the question is, what are you doing about it? How are you showing love? What are you doing today that portrays the love of Christ? Why am I doing this today? Why am I here? Why am I teaching? Why am I shepherding? 
Is our attitude correct? God, I just want to serve you today, whatever it looks like today. Help me to do that. I don't have all the answers. Uh, we, we've talked, in, we were talking even in the Young Adults Bible study about being a consistent and continuous learner. I always need to be learning and growing, and we should all be doing the same thing. I don't have all the answers. But between the, the work of the Holy Spirit and studying in God's Word and spending the time, those answers come. But, but that's, and that's good because God will meet us at that point in need. He'll give us those answers. But even in that, if my attitude is wrong, then it doesn't matter. It's damaging. The words we say and, and our actions, it, it all reflects our attitude and what it is that, that God is doing. We know God's Word says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Once those words are out, you can't take them back. James 3, 8 through 10 says, but no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless in its evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. So the reality check for all of us is God doesn't only want us to talk about His love as a fleeting feeling. He wants us to experience His love, and He wants us to share that love with others. And really, Jesus commanded it. In John 13, 35, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. John 14, 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them is one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and disclose myself to him. In 1 John 4, 19 and 21, we love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, the one who loves God should love his brother also. And then the last one is 1 John 3.17, but whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? John speaks about keeping God's commands and the number one driver for our lives should be love. We're driven, if we're driven by God's love, or we should be. We're driven by our love for others, and again, we should be driven by our love for others. The Apostle Paul is encouraging young Timothy to, young Pastor Timothy to set the example for the believers in 1 Timothy 4.12. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather speech in your speech, your conduct, your love, your faith, your purity. Show yourself as an example of those to those who believe. This can also be equated to the newness of faith. Just because you're a young Christian doesn't mean that you don't have the ability to bring influence into people's lives. Don't let anyone look down on you. Set the example in your speech, your conduct, your love, your faith, and your purity. And who are we to do this to? The believers. We do it to each other. We set the example for each other. It truly doesn't matter if we're engaged in a one-on-one -on -one ministry or if we're in a small anchor group, Bible study, or in a, this auditorium or in a venue of 10,000 people. The core theme of everything that we should do should center around love, the love of Christ. And it's especially important in the state of our world today. 
if we're operating in the flesh and not the spirit, we can become bitter, fearful, spiteful, spiteful to the point that we'd actually lash out at others. We've got to be guarded with each other, especially as believers, because Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to cause division between brother and sister in the Lord. And it can be the simplest of things. Simplest of things. Right now, it could be your perspective on COVID. Masks, no masks. Vaccines, no vaccines. No, no vaccines. Go on down the list. We've got to stay focused on Christ. We can't allow differing thoughts and opinions drive wedges between family members and brothers and sisters in the Lord. Now, obviously, if there's a doctrinal issue, you know, we discuss that biblically, but if your brother sins against you and, and you're struggling with it, then you go to them. Matthew 18, go to your brother. Talk to him about the offense. Take care of it biblically. Don't let things fester. Let love prevail in everything we do. Amen? When you see someone struggling, put yourself in their shoes. Change your perspective. It's easy for us to love the lovelies, isn't it? We love the lovelies. Everything's good. What about loving the unlovelies? I was having breakfast with my son. We do Thursday mornings. We're at sunrise, sunset on Florida and Wadsworth, and there's a homeless guy. I've seen him there before. Bought him coffee, bought him breakfast. Somebody usually buys him something in the morning. And for some reason, I'm sitting there, and, and I watched him walk in. And my heart broke. And I've seen him before. I've seen him for a few years. Struggles with mental illness. Conversations don't go very long with him. There's something within that man that just pricked my heart. My heart was broken. Can we change our perspective as we see people? Can we not become callous like the rest of the world? Understanding is a vital part of compassion. As God called Pam and I into youth ministry, it's because we, we as we look at teenagers, we saw something in them. There's some hope there. Can we encourage them? Can we help them know and understand that God has a purpose and a plan for their lives? I can see that the tough ones, they, they just needed someone to give them a little extra TLC. Really, that's the same thing now as a senior pastor. Excuse me, when I look at you, when I see you, I see potential. I, I, I see God having an ability to do something in you. There's potential there. There's hope. To truly love people, it takes time. There has to be an investment on your part. Slow down and listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the person that God brings right in front of you. They might have been there this last whole year. Maybe they've been there longer than a year. Invest through prayer and time and, and in the Word and then reach out and begin to invest in them personally. Show the love of Christ. Why do the people that you interact with respond the way they do? Sometimes they grade against us. Personality conflicts. Anybody have a personality conflict with anybody? Maybe I shouldn't have you raise your hand. Maybe they're sitting next to you. Even though that happens, God wants us to reach out and minister. 
God wants us to love the lovelies and the unlovelies. And it's funny that Pastor Chuck in the book, he points out the struggle between pastors and congregations. And there's just some people who rub me the wrong way as a pastor. But yet as a pastor, he still ministered to them. And I read a book years ago, and it's kind of funny, and it was to encourage pastors. And in that, they used the fact that 4% of your congregation was going to be a thorn in your side. That's an encouraging book. That means 3.5 of you are a pain in my side. Stop it. The reality is, I will continue to minister to that thorn in the side as well. Because that's what I'm called to do, right? To love people, to minister. Guys, we have to do the same thing. Even those people that are grading against you a little bit, you've got to minister to them. You've got to love them. That's what God's word says. You've got to love them anyways. And Jesus saw a need and he moved with compassion. He told his disciples in John 15, 16 and 17, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go bear fruit, that your fruit would remain. Whatever you ask in the name of the Father, in my name, he may give you. This I command you, love one another. Love each other. Get over it if it's bugging you. Work on it, make it right, put it to Scripture. When he left earth to be with the Father in heaven, it was so the Holy Spirit could come and assist us and we could continue to minister in his creation. Everything about the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, is to point people to Jesus. And as I've studied the fruit of the Spirit, I often wonder, why didn't God put self-control first? Because wouldn't that make it much easier? But it's ultimately about love. That first fruit. It's because God loved you first. And we're to love in return. John 15, 8 and 9, my Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. So prove to be my disciples, just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Now, abide in my love. And as much as we really can't understand the depths of God's grace, his love is even deeper. God loves you unconditionally. No matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, he loves you. His love is deeper. We can see by example how important the supremacy of love is. So may we truly love God and love each other. May God break our heart for his creation that we can bear fruit as he has commanded. And may we be empowered by the Holy Spirit with the spiritual gifts as we need them. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you, first of all, that you love us. We thank you that we have the freedom to be here and to worship, to fellowship, to be in your word. Lord, we thank you that as we surrender our lives to you, we have access to your Holy Spirit. We have access to the the fruit of the Spirit. May our lives truly show fruit. May we act in love and with joy and peace. Lord, let, let there be patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Let, them be, let, let all those attributes be evident in our lives. That our lives, our very lives, would be a witness for you just by the fruit that is seen. And then, Lord, as we mature and and we see the gifts of the Holy Spirit active in our lives, Lord, that, 
that we would be empowered by your Holy Spirit and we would be used by you that we would earnestly seek those gifts. And that no matter what, in both of these cases, that, that the love of God would prevail. Lord, that we would truly love you and, and love our neighbor. That we would love God and love people. So Lord, help us to prioritize love. Help us spend more time with you Help us spend more time learning about the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and the supremacy of love. And Lord, may it be obvious as we leave today that we have spent time with you. As we close each service, we always do and we always will. It's, it's Today, it's that aspect that God loves you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross for you died on the cross for your sins and my sins. That blood that was shed was, was to cover our sins. He went to the grave and he rose again. He's in heaven with the Father right now. It's because he loved you that much that he went to that pain and that anguish so we could have a restored relationship with you. God created us perfectly, but that sin broke that relationship. If you've never surrendered your life to the Lord and you feel that just that tugging of the Holy Spirit, today's the day to take care of that. It's a, it's a simple thing. God's Word says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. If that's you today, you can have a simple prayer, a simple conversation from your heart to God's heart. It's not a magic prayer. It's just a conversation between you and God. Whether you're in this room or you're online, every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you this morning, you would say, Scott, I need to surrender my life to God. I need to know and experience His love for me. I'm going to ask you to pray this. Dear Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me. And I believe you're alive today. I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. Come into my life today and be Lord of my life. Thank you for your love for me. Fill me with your spirit and use me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer in this room, I'll pray with you, I'll talk with you. This has been Alive and Powerful with Pastor Scott Morrison. We hope you were blessed by today's message. Alive and Powerful is the radio ministry of Foothills Calvary, a fresh and growing fellowship in Lakewood, Colorado. We invite you to come and join us as we study the Word together, Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. We meet at 12344 West Alameda Parkway in Lakewood, just a few blocks west of Union and Alameda. For more information about Foothills Calvary, please visit our website at foothillscalvary.org. That's foothillscalvary.org.